0: Good morning everyone, Um, as we were saying before, our psalm today, our Bible reading today is from Psalm 29, so if you happen to have one of these Bibles in the pew, um, it's on page 558 and the other one we just hold the Bible written on is page number 394, Psalm um, 29, ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness The voice of the Lord is over the waters The glory of the Lord thunders The Lord thunders over the mighty waters The voice of the Lord is powerful The voice of the Lord is majestic The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars The Lord breaks into pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Siron like a wild ox, young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace.
1: Uh, Let's pray, shall we? Uh, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. And uh, we thank you, Lord God, that you have revealed yourself and your plan to us uh, in the scriptures. We pray now that by your spirit that you would be focusing our minds, helping us to understand more of uh, what your word says, uh, that we would be people who in our lives ascribe glory to you and give you all of the praise. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now Australians, we have a somewhat of a mixed relationship with nature. Uh, On the one hand, I think that we we really love nature, don't we? Uh, Even to the point of uh, uh, people often worshipping nature. And in that regard, uh, not all cultures uh, in other parts of the world are are like us. Uh, In some parts of the world where the climate may not be all that great and where people are kind of locked into cities, uh, they tend to do a whole lot more indoor stuff and love things such as shopping malls and fashion and so on. But uh, we Aussies, we prefer the outdoors, don't we? We prefer sun and sand and surf and the bush and camping. And we, we just love nature. And yet we also fear nature and uh, with good reason, because we know uh, just how damaging nature can be. I still remember Cyclone Tracy. Some of you here are old enough to remember that day. That uh, was December the 25th, 1974, uh, when uh, most of Australia we were out enjoying our uh, Christmas festivities and uh, enjoying our Christmas lunch whilst the people of Darwin huddled in terror as their whole city was literally blown away uh, by winds which were measured at a uh, terrifying 217 kilometres per hour before the measuring instruments actually broke under the pressure. So we don't know how fast the winds were. Cyclones, floods bushfires, droughts, we love nature but we also fear it because we know of its power over us. And when we experience nature in both its its beauty and also in its power, it's actually speaking to us. It's telling us something important, an important truth. And that's why Psalm 29 is so helpful for us if you'd like to have that open in your Bibles and of course there is an outline uh, which is available for you of the talk. Psalm 29 is a very helpful psalm because it describes for us a storm but it's not written in the, sort of, uh, in the same kind of uh, way that um, other descriptions of storms are written for us in the Bible uh, like, uh, for example, the graphic description in Acts 27 of the storm which, uh, which, was, um, which the Apostle Paul encountered when he was on a ship and uh, which caused him to be shipwrecked. It's not like that. It's not like a kind of a newspaper reporting of a storm. Uh, it's actually a poem. It's a song. And it's a song not just about the storm, but it's a song about what the storm actually says to us. Now, how do you feel when you gaze out upon a great storm uh, that's, um, that's happening in the sky, assuming that you're in a safe place? Uh, do you ever feel uh, like you're in awe, in awe of its uh, power, in, order, in awe of its might, I mean, uh, at one level, you know, we know that lightning is just caused by massive discharges of electrical power, and we know that the rumblings and the crack of thunder are just the um, caused by the uh, uh, the uh, the, uh, the sound of the of expanding air around those lightning uh, uh, the, the, those uh, lightning strikes, and that we know that any destruction. Uh, really is just nature. And yet what we see in the psalm is that it's not just a meaningless outbreak of destructive forces. Uh, it, it actually has meaning. It's telling us something. Now, Psalm 29 was to be sung in by Israel in their temple services. And it begins with a summons. Let me uh, read to you verses 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So I want you to picture this. Um, God's people are gathered together uh, in the temple and they are calling upon the mighty ones to ascribe glory to the Lord. That is to, uh, as we saw last week, to attach the glory uh, to God. Uh, to see in the storm the power of the Lord. But who are these mighty ones? Well, here it's actually a reference to the, the heavenly beings, it's a reference to the, to the angels, it's a reference to the heavenly host. As they also witness the storm, and it tells them that they should actually humbly bow down in worship of the Lord. And if that's what the angels should do, then how much more should we? Instead of saying, well, uh, you know, looking up into the sky and looking up at the storm and saying, isn't Mother Nature just fabulous, uh, we should actually be ascribing the glory to the Lord. And so what was this storm like? Um, Well, I'm going to read to you again verses 3 through to 9 and we'll show that up on the screen as well. Uh, Verses 3 to 9. It says that the, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrion, which is part of modern-day Syria, uh, like a young, wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare and in his temple all cry glory. Now what is it that stands out for you in these verses? Well for me uh, geography is one because I don't, always, I don't necessarily understand the geography of the verses um, but it might help you to understand it. I know if you're like me or not, when I watch the weather reports on TV, uh, there's a lot of it that just goes over my head when they start talking about technical stuff like barometric presser, pressure and so on. But when they put it simply and they say, well, there's this big storm that's brewing off the Queensland coast and it's going to hit land you know, at a certain time and, and at a certain town and that town's battening down the hatches, and it's, uh, it's likely to cause bad weather that's going to go as far south as the mid-north coast might even hit Port Macquarie. That's when I understand. Are you like that? Well, that's geography. Um, the, the place names here also need some explanation for us. And it's basically describing a storm which, which brews in the Mediterranean Sea uh, north of Israel, um, off the coast of, of uh, Syria and Lebanon, And it then cuts a path down uh, through Israel uh, and uh, as far south as the desert of Kadesh, which is south of Israel. So that's the geography, friends. But the other standout issue in these verses is the voice of the Lord. That everything which the storm does is described as originating from as actually being caused by the word of the Lord. It's what the voice of the Lord does. It thunders over the mighty waters. It strikes with flashes of lightning. It shakes the desert and so on. Now, in our pagan Australian culture, um, people think of stormy weather as just a matter of, uh, of luck, don't they? You know, if you're a farmer needing rain, then it's good luck. If, you're, if you've had a tree fall on your house, well, that's bad luck. However, in the ancient world of Psalm 29, the, um, the other peoples who lived around Israel, the, uh, the pagan Canaanites, they believed that weather was controlled by a false god um, by the name of Baal. It was Baal who created storms... It was Baal who was the cause of thunder and lightning. In fact, archaeologists have discovered um, stone carvings uh, with pictures of Baal, where Baal is portrayed as uh, holding a, um, a lightning rod as a weapon in his hands, just ready to throw it out onto anyone who he's not happy with. And in some of the Canaanite texts, the voice of Baal is described as being thunder. And so to that, uh, this psalm is saying, uh, well, no, it's not true. That, you know, he's a false god. And behind the storm is actually the voice of Yahweh, uh, the Lord, the God of Israel, uh, who we know only has to speak in order for things to Happen. How did God create the world? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, it keeps keeps on saying, and God said, and God said, and God said, and it happened. That is, God only had to speak, and uh, great um, things were created the sun, and the moon, the stars, the, the earth. Every time that God spoke, Something big happened. God only had to say the word word, and the whole world came into existence. You know why God's word is powerful? Because God is powerful. Because God has authority. How did Jesus heal the sick? How did he um, raise the dead? How did he calm even a storm? He spoke, didn't he? He only had to speak, and by the power of his word, these things happened. That was enough. In Psalm twenty-nine, God's voice demonstrates his power as the storm rips through the land. And if you have a look in verse six, for example, uh, the voice of the Lord it it makes Lebanon and Sirion skip like young animals. And the voice of the Lord breaks uh, huge cedar trees into pieces. Now this is important because in the ancient world, these were actually the symbols of strength and stability. Uh, the mountainous regions of Lebanon and, and Syrion, strength and stability. The magnificent hardwood cedar trees of Lebanon, strength and security. Uh, In fact, in Isaiah chapter 2, there is a a description of the coming day of judgment and it is said that on that day, that that is the day when the cedars of Lebanon will fall. Strength and security of this world, but nothing compared to the power of God. But friends, God's power is not only seen in the spectacle of a storm or in the judgment to come. It's also seen in salvation. Let me read to you verses 10 and 11. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people and blesses his people with peace. Now, what is the great example in the Old Testament of the um, when God unleashed natural forces to cause destruction? What's the great example of that? It's the flood, isn't it? The great flood of Noah. And so, what we see here is that the word flood in verse 10, uh, the Hebrew word, is only ever used elsewhere in the Bible in reference to the flood of Noah. The flood by which both God, uh, God both judged and also saved. For just as God caused the flood, he also had the power to stop it and to save the family of Noah. And just as God was enthroned over the flood of Noah's day, so too, he was enthroned over the storm of Psalm 29, and so too is he enthroned over our world today. We can be confident that God will act in our world, not only in the spectacle of a storm, but also in salvation. You see, in verse 11, the psalm finishes with a promise. The promise that God gives strength to his people. The promise that God blesses them with peace. Imagine that. Imagine that, that the power that we see in the storm is the same power which God uses to strengthen his people and to bless his people, to bless them with peace. How does he do that? Well, we see God's power in many ways, don't we? Uh, certainly in nature. But we see God's power especially in the gospel of Jesus. Uh, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, where he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you want to see God's power in action? Then look to Jesus. For the resurrection of Jesus is the great demonstration of the Lord's power. It shows us that by paying for our sins and that by rising again that a victory has been won, that death has been defeated and eternal life is now available for all who turn to God and trust in Christ. And by his spirit, God's power becomes a daily transforming reality in our lives. Uh, We see that in Paul's prayer for the Christians in in, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 to 14, where Paul asks God to strengthen the Colossians by his glorious might so that they would endure so that they would endure as Christians patiently, joyfully, and thankfully. It's when we turn from sin, trust in Jesus, and live for him. That's God's power. And I wonder, is that how you think of God's power uh, in your life? When, as a Christian, you grow more patient, you grow more loving, you grow more godly, because of God at work in you. Psalm 29 finishes with that wonderful promise that by his power, God strengthens us and gives us peace. How does he do that? Through Jesus. Now, this time last year, we were all thinking about the power of nature, weren't we? Uh, With uh, fires that were um, sweeping across our land, uh, they're burning through about uh, an estimated 18 million hectares of bush and uh, smoke from the Australian fires um, blowing all the way across the Pacific uh, Ocean so that people in South America were having trouble breathing. <laughs> How about that? We were astounded by the sheer power of fire to, to wipe out everything in its path. And of course a virus, well that's nature as well. As modern people, as modern Western people, uh, we like to think of ourselves as being masters of the world and masters of our own lives. And so the last 12 months have been humbling in that regard as we've been confronted with the reality that actually we are not supreme that uh, there are forces which are far greater than us. But that's not enough, is it? For we need to see that it's rather that there is someone who is far greater than us. And we don't need a storm or a flood or a fire to show us God's power. For it is the same power which God exerted When he raised Jesus from the dead. And it's the same power which can forgive us, can change us, to make us more the people God would have us be. So that just as in the psalm, we too might ascribe glory to him, not just by our words, but by our lives. What about you? Do you marvel at the work of God in nature? Do you marvel at his great work in raising Jesus from the dead? Have you trusted in Jesus and experienced God's blessing, his forgiveness and peace? If so, then you too can cry glory and ascribe to him greatness and worship him not only as king of the world but as king of your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for the uh, mighty displays of your power that we see all around us. We thank you in particular for your power which you exerted in raising Jesus from the dead and that through him that we can enjoy your blessing and your peace. Father, we pray that we would be people who do ascribe greatness to you and give you glory uh, in all of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.